Uh, it's good to be here, and I promise you that I will finish before two o'clock. <laughs> Some didn't find that funny, um, but it's a privilege indeed to be here. I really thank you for the great honor and um, uh, the privilege of um, allowing me to minister to to these very wonderful brethren here today. I um, I met Tom some time ago. Obviously, I got to know him, first of all, on Revelation TV. And apparently, I had actually done some interviews to myself and some years ago when they still had the Church in Focus uh, programs with um, Pastor Yemi Balogun. But eventually, we, we got to meet, and um, Pastor Tom kindly uh, accepted our invitation for him to come to minister at our conference last year. And we did have a wonderful time. Um, I'm sure you know my name by now, Samson. Uh, I got saved about 26 years ago. And um, it was such a dramatic conversion that brought about a radical change in my life. I was in my final year in the university uh, when I got saved. And for those of us you know, who have gone through uh, the campus life, when you get to your final year, you're looking forward to all the things you haven't done yet because you know you're soon going to be out in the, in, in, in the world. And that's what I was looking forward to. I was planning with my friends that this final year is really going to be it. But God had a different plan for me. And um, just before I went back to campus for my final year, uh, the Lord asked me a question one evening. And he said, if you should die now, are you ready? And I know I was going to church, you know, reading the Bible, going in and out of church, but I wasn't saved. And I tried to just shrug off the thought uh, that evening, say it's going to go away. But the following day, I had that impression, if you should die now, are you ready? And that eventually brought me to my knees. And I went, you know, uh, knelt at my bed and I prayed unto the Lord. And when I go back to school, all my friends, we had planned what we're going to do this year, you know, and the girls and the parties and everything. And I told them, well, actually, I'm, I'm born again now. Born what? You know, and they looked at me. And I remember one comment that somebody said. He said, it will soon wear off. And I want to give God the glory that about 26 years ago, thereabout, it hasn't worn off. To the glory of God. Amen. You see, and the Bible is so clear that the Lord who calls us will keep us. Uh, we're told in the book of, I think it's First Peter chapter 1 verse 5, that we're kept by the power of God through faith. So it's by his power that we're kept. Then I saw myself going into ministry by God's grace. I eventually found out that I, I had a teaching uh, ministry, a gift from the Lord. And... Um, when I came back to the UK, because I was born here, but I went with my um, parents back to Nigeria when I was seven, and I spent about 30 years in Nigeria. When I came back to the UK, looking on the um, gospel channels, I was really just very discouraged. And I was working um, for, um, I think it was um, Essex County Council, yes. And then one day I said, look, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. So I called Revelation TV. How much does it cost to have um, an hour's um, presentation? I didn't have a team. I didn't have a church there. And I had nobody around. But I said, I'm just going to go there and preach the word. <laughs> so I was told it's 800 pounds. So I give them 800 pounds. And I went on TV. And I was actually surprised that there were so many other people who felt the way I felt. Because after the first interview, the calls that came were very encouraging. So I said, oh, all right. So I took some time again, gave them another 800 pounds, I'm going on, going on air. And um, sometimes I would do the one of 30 minutes, which, which is about, I think, 300 or 400 pounds then. But eventually that now led to having a Bible school. Uh, there were people from various denominations who said they wanted more. So that encouraged us to put the Bible school together in King's Cross. 
And we have people coming from Dorset, Liverpool, Northampton, Manchester, you know, um, coming all the way down. I remember Sister Margaret, who is just, uh, I think she's clocked 84 now, and she was coming all the way from Dorchester, you know, for the Bible school. So, um, eventually, I had other problems again. Uh, the Bible school, because it was only once a month, every second Saturday of the month, the brethren came back and said, well, actually, we don't even know where to go now because of what we've learned here, we find it difficult to go back to our churches. So, start a Sunday service. So, that's how we started having a Sunday service. And we thank God for the work he is doing. Um, as a typical um, African, I've brought some gifts for you. So, in Africa, when you go to visit somebody, you have to go with a gift. I know we do that here too anyway. I'm just joking. So, um, I have some CDs at the back, which is free of church. So, just take one each. It's one of our sermons titled, Which Church Do You Belong To? Which Church Do You Belong To? And then some other materials there, if you're interested in them, uh, the details of how to get the other ones uh, are there. Right, that's me. Now, I want to... I promise you I'll finish before two, and I mean that. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you. Father, we do bless and we magnify your wonderful name. What a wonderful day of fellowship, Lord, you have given us today. It's, it's such a privilege, Father God, to be in your presence. The Bible says that in your presence there is fullness of joy. To come together with one heart in unison with other people of God to worship at the feet of Jesus Christ. Father, we do thank you. And many a times we wonder, how are the people in the world coping? They have no savior to go to. They have no throne of grace to cry unto. Father in heaven, they have no word of encouragement from scripture they can hold on to. Father, what a great privilege indeed you have given us. And Lord, we will never take it for granted. Father, we thank you. You haven't called us. You, I mean, we haven't chosen you, but you chose us and you called us, mighty God. And we thank you, Father, Lord, for what you have done. But Lord, we also know that this responsibility, or rather, this, this gift and this privilege you've given us comes also with responsibility. Give us the grace, Lord, that in our little corners we play our own part in the kingdom of God for the extension of your kingdom, for the glory of your name, and for the edification of the church. Father, we thank you, we bless you, we magnify your name. Lord, as my dear brother has already prayed for me, I pray that these words that will come out from mere clay will not be the words of men, but you breathe the breath of life and the breath of your spirit upon your word. And give us the grace, Lord, a heart to understand, eyes to see what you are saying. But most of all, we pray for both preacher and hearer that you give us the corresponding grace to be doers of your word. Father, we thank you, we bless you, and we magnify thy name. And the church says, Amen, amen and Amen. I would like to talk to you today about keeping to the purpose of ministry. Keeping to the purpose of ministry. And I'll be taking my text from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 26. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 26. Now we all know about the life of Paul the Apostle and how he was saved in a very dramatic way. A man who was very zealous for the things of God, but unfortunately without knowledge. And he thought he was doing the will of God. Um, as he was persecuting the believers in Jerusalem, and he got commission from the chief priest to also go to strange cities and countries to persecute and to cause uh, the believers to be cast into prison, he was doing all that under the impression that he was doing God's will. And while he was on one of his expeditions going to Damascus, the Lord met him. And as we look at this encounter, we will have a better understanding, I believe, of what ministry is all about and the reason for us why we need to keep to the purpose of ministry. And I say this because after 
almost 30 years in ministry, I can tell you that there are so many ministries around, so many churches around, so many gatherings in the name of Christ that are not doing the purpose of ministry. They aren't. In Acts chapter 26, I'll read from verse 9. I'm reading from the KJV version. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, that's the believers, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven. Above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying, I'm in verse 14 now, in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise, and stand up on thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister, and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And verse 19 says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Now from these verses, we see, we, we see that the words that were spoken to Paul were words directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's anyone that knows about ministry, if there's anyone that knows about the purpose of ministry, if there's anyone that would define for us what ministry is about, not what we might be taught in the theological schools, if there's anyone that has the right to tell us what ministry ought to be, obviously, it is Jesus Christ. And as Jesus Christ appeared unto Paul on his way to Damascus, who was formerly Saul, Christ here explains in his own words, gives details of what ministry is all about. And let me start by saying this first. It's not about packing a hall. We can bring people in without the Holy Spirit. We don't need the Holy Spirit to pack a hall with people. We have the marketing consultants that can help us to do that. So ministry is not about the numbers or how many people are in the hall. And because people have not been reading the word, they see a large gathering, they see big, you know, big numbers, they see people coming to a place, you know, the whole place is packed up and the gallery is full and chairs have to be, you know, there's an overflow. And the next thing you hear, this is revival. No. Otherwise, when Arsenal and Chelsea is playing and the stadium is full, that's not revival, is it? 
Jesus Christ is the one who knows what ministry is about. And because he told Paul, and Paul says in verse 19, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, meaning that Paul kept to the purpose that God gave him. No wonder this man wrote more than half of the New Testament books. Went the first missionary journey, second missionary journey, third missionary journey, and did much more than many others. Why? He understood the purpose of ministry and he kept to it. Let's look at verse 14. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. A revelation of Jesus Christ is the foundation of ministry. And I'll explain myself here. This is the same man that was attacking Christ, persecuting Christ, was vehemently against Christ. And then all of a sudden, this same Christ becomes his Lord. What has changed? Jesus hasn't changed. The Savior hasn't changed. The one he was attacking and persecuting hasn't changed. What has changed is that Paul had received a revelation of Jesus Christ. And I can tell you, there are many people that go to Bible schools, three years, four years, have their diploma or degree or PhD. I don't know how they call themselves divinity. God help them. <laughs> but they put divinity to their names and they come out and guess what? They have not received a revelation of Jesus Christ. Can, can I preach? Right. I'm diverting now. You think about this. Jesus Christ was going on his way. And there's a man called Blind Bartimaeus. And he was blind. And blind people use the other senses much more. So he could hear better. And what, what is going on here? And they told him, Jesus of where? Nazareth is passing by. And then he began to cry. He began to cry. And when the blind man cried, he didn't say, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. He said, thou son of David. That is a messianic title. The people around that had physical eyes said, it's Jesus of Nazareth. The blind man said, Thou son of David, have mercy upon me. The blind man had revelation. The other ones didn't. It's just Jesus of Nazareth. And for ministry to stand, it's so important. One of the things I advise pastors against, when people come and they are showing support, don't just quickly bring them into the workforce. Because the zeal and the desire to serve doesn't necessarily mean they've received a revelation of Jesus Christ. After all, the Pharisees were zealous. The scribes were zealous. But they had no revelation of Jesus Christ. So this is the foundation, first of all, that if ministry... And if we're to fulfill our ministry and our purpose of ministry, we need to ensure that we do have a revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why even before Christ introduced himself in verse 15, Paul says, who art thou, Lord? Christ hadn't said, I'm, I'm Jesus Christ yet. But he had received a revelation. This is what makes a person, a group of people, or a ministry to stand in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the waves, in the midst of the attacks. Look, these Christians didn't have money. They didn't have wealth. They didn't have political clout. They couldn't lobby the people around. But he kept on thriving. Why? Revelation. A revelation of Jesus Christ that couldn't shut their mouth up 
that even if they had to seal their testimony with their own blood, they were ready. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? Verse 15. And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Let's quickly look at Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. And you see the same emphasis Paul writes here when writing to the believers at Galatia. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. But I satisfy you, Galatians 1, 11. But I satisfy you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not of man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it. You can't teach people revelation of Jesus. Christ has to reveal himself. And when he reveals himself, a man who said, well, this is my last year in university. I'm going to enjoy myself and do what I want to do in the world. All of a sudden, there's a change. The Bible didn't change. Christ didn't change. But I had received a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Paul says here. He says, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 15. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal, I love this, to reveal his son in me. So important. Do you know that we can come to church and spend seven hours in church and people might not have received a revelation of Jesus Christ? That's what's happening in all these mega churches. Oh, that was a good sermon. Oh, thank God. Oh, yes, and, and all that. But they haven't received a revelation of Jesus Christ. The speaker is good. The speaker has matazis. His mouth is very smooth. Honestly speaking, maybe it's my own deficiency. But I find it difficult to preach without saying, uh, 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 you know, stop gaps in between. But when you see some of these people preach, smooth, smooth talkers, you begin to wonder, what's going on here? Is there something wrong with me? And they can be under that ministration, and yet the people have not received a revelation of Jesus Christ. So the first thing we see there is that Paul had received a revelation of who Jesus is. That's why you can have two people in the same church, but different lifestyle. Honor the same ministration, but different lifestyle. Listen to the same minister, but different consecration and commitment. Listen to the same person, same church, same denomination, eating the same thing with the word of God, but their lifestyles are not the same, don't align. Why? One has received a revelation of Jesus Christ, the other hasn't. Just a churchgoer. We had a workers' meeting some time ago, and I told them that actually, when we see Christianity today, it means so many things. Everybody's a Christian. If I were told this is a Christian nation, I don't know what, what we mean by that. Right? But I, I told the workers, I said, let's assume we have two people here. And you ask me, what am I? I say, I'm a Christian. And then the other person says, I am a disciple of Christ. What comes to your mind? <laughs> what comes to your mind? When I say, I am a disciple of Christ. And everyone says, I'm a Christian. You look at the disciple of Christ as someone who is more serious. Am I more committed? More dedicated? Are we together? Aha! Do you know, Jesus Christ never called his people Christians. He called them disciples. And we are meant to be disciples. Disciples of Christ. Because when we look at it from that context, then we understand, like where our dear sister read today, that as a disciple of Christ, there is a yoke upon me. Everyone bears a yoke. The other bear the yoke of the devil or the yoke of Christ. There's no exception. But as a disciple of Christ, we are, we, there's a yoke we carry. 
And as you know what, we know what we use yokes for. The animal cannot go where it wants to go. It's under a yoke. Under the authority, the guidance, the leading of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the point is this. As the Lord appeared unto Paul the Apostle, first of all, he had a personal revelation of Jesus Christ. It's so important, brethren. <clears throat> if, you, if, not, if, not, if you don't really understand why the commitment, why all the singing and the preaching, don't try to force it. Go to the Lord in prayer. And ask the Lord for a personal revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But as we go back to Acts chapter 26. Acts 26. Now I read verse. Let me read from verse 15 so we see the trend once again. And I said, who art thou Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. He has received a revelation. But rise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister. The next thing there is that only God can make a minister. Can I have an amen? Only God. God Christ said to make thee a minister. No matter what we try to read, where we try to go, Maybe we are enrolling to, there's nothing wrong with, you know, theological schools and Bible schools. After all, we also have one too. But the point I am making is this. Only God can make a minister. Only God. And Christ said, I've appeared to you, Paul, to make you a minister. And in the church, we need to understand what is my calling what have, been, what have I been called to minister? Don't try to copy. Don't try to follow somebody else. If God has called you to minister in music, you will never be good in anything else than music. Are we together? If God has called you to minister in teaching or to help with the children, that's ministry, then nothing else will actually give you fulfillment and joy outside that administration it is Christ who is the head of the church who has the prerogative to decide what each person would do in the body one of the reasons why we have so much deception now is because there are many people behind the pulpits who are not meant to be there God did not place them there some of them are wrong and they are sincerely wrong and because they are in the wrong ministry. So God appeared to Paul. He said, look, this is the reason why I've appeared unto thee. To make thee a minister. It's the same thing with Jeremiah. And Jeremiah said, oh Lord, I'm but a child. What can I do? Jeremiah chapter 1. I'm a child, Lord. I cannot speak. And God said, no. Before you were born. I knew you. I've ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. That's why he succeeded. Why did Moses succeed? Because it is God that made him a minister to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. That's why he succeeded. And if you read Numbers, I think it's Numbers chapter 16, where um, Dan, Korah, and Abiram were trying to be rebellious in the camp. God brought judgment upon them because it was Moses that God called. And because God called Moses, he was successful. And after Moses, God decided the next minister would be Joshua. And Joshua succeeded. He defeated 31 nations, one for each day of the month. And he destroyed them. No one was able to stand before Joshua. Why? Because God had called him to minister. That's why David was a success because God had called him to minister. To lead the children of Israel and to be the, the one through whom the, the spark of God's glory would be upon Israel as at that time. And he defeated Goliath. And Saul was against him. Saul could not conquer him. The Philistines couldn't conquer him. The nations around couldn't conquer him. Even within his own home, there was a rebellion, but they couldn't conquer David. Why? God had called him. And after David had been called, God decided, Solomon, now, if you and I were to choose, we will not choose Solomon. Because Solomon was the child of Bathsheba. And we know what happened when Solomon sinned and com committed um, adultery and even killed the, the husband. But God decided it is Solomon. And even though I think it's Absalom 
who was trying to get, you know, get to the throne, or Adonijah, one of the two, you know, wanted to get to the throne. He said, no, God had called Solomon. So the point is this. It is God who makes ministers. Can I have an amen? amen. amen. If you don't have your amen, we'll extend it to three o'clock. <laughs> Some people are not very sure whether I'm really mean two o'clock or not. <laughs> you wait and see until I end, then you will know what I'm saying. Praise the Lord. It is God who makes a minister. So don't try to say, well, I like to be like that tele-evangelist. I want to be, no. And Christ told Paul the apostle, he said, I've appeared unto thee for this reason, to make thee. Think about those words. If Christ doesn't make, to make thee a minister. Christ told Peter, Peter, stop the fishing. I will make you fishers of men. It's so deep. People just think that, well, I have the skill sets, I have the talent, I have the competencies. Who needs that? Who needs that? Moses said, Lord, I cannot talk. God said, I don't need your ability to talk. It is God who makes a minister. And when Peter decided, well, I think I'm going to go back fishing now. At least I have, I have some years of expertise. Okay, go. And then he goes back fishing in, in chapter 21 of John and he catches nothing. Because without God, we can do nothing. So the point I'm making is that we need to understand what is our area of ministry. It might just be cleaning the house, making sure the whole the house is clean, or, man, or, or you know, encouragement. And God has given you such words that you can encourage a person in the Lord. Then you, you stick to that area of ministry. That's, the, that's where the purpose comes from. So when we know, number one, we have a revelation of Jesus Christ. Number two, we understand that it's Christ and Christ alone that enables us to be a minister. I didn't really understand that God was calling me to teaching earlier in my Christian walk. So I used to have revelation. I have the book. I still have the book at home. I want to uh, also encourage you to do this. Have a book where you can write down. Whenever God tells you something. Write it down, put the date. Write it down, put the date, and keep it. You'll be surprised. This book I'm talking about now is about 25, 26 years. It's old, but I cherish it. And God, I used to have revelation. I see myself teaching, teaching, teaching in a classroom, teaching. And then I thought, okay, God wants me to be a teacher <laughs> in education. So when I graduated, um, I was looking for a teaching job. I didn't get a teaching job. So what's, what's, you know, what's going on? And then I eventually got a job to work for an oil contracting company. I said, no, this cannot be God. And I was already given the job. So I got back home. I prayed, Lord, if it's not your will. And then I was offered the job. I was told to start. I said, what's going on, Lord? You called me to teaching. Anyway, after some years, I now realized that, okay, no, that wasn't what he was talking about. This is about teaching in the word of God. And immediately I understood what God was saying many years back. I began to study. I began to read the word. I began to develop myself in the area that the Lord had called me. So if we're going to fulfill uh, our purpose in ministry, we need to have revelation of Jesus Christ. We also need to understand the actual calling that God has called us into. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister. Hold on a minute there. Minister. The word minister has been bastardized today. Yeah. Say minister, you know, bear with me. Maybe wear suit, you know, it's looking good. Okay, ah, I want to be a minister. I want to be like, I want to be up there. Minister means servant. Minister, servant. That's what Christ said. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. You see, those who are truly called to be pastors, when they go into ministry, they go into ministry with fear. They go saying, Lord, please, I actually don't want to do this. Because they don't think they have, not that they don't think, they don't actually have what it takes to be a minister. Do you understand? And each day of the ministration, saying, God, just give me grace. Give me grace. Another day, another Lord, give me grace. Those who run into it, they are hirelings. They are not called of God. Have you seen God call anybody in the Bible and they rush into the calling? Hello? <laughs> am, I, am I in the right place? <laughs> yeah. 
Have you seen anybody that got called and they rushed into the calling? Nobody. So people when they say minister, minister, okay, they're thinking, okay, very soon, five years time, if I have the people come and people are giving their offerings and everything, another five years time, I'll have a jeep, I'll have a big car, I'll have a good house, blah, 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 and all that. That's what, that's what's on, you'd be surprised. Look, when I minister, when I speak with my colleague pastors, that, I know that's what's on their mind, and I wonder, you know, God, God have mercy on your, on your, on your members. You're the right church, brother. Right church. <laughs> In Matthew chapter 20, Matthew 20, Matthew 20, 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshipping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She said unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on the right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered, Did you see what pastor did today? Pastor Tom, yeah, what, what did he do? Ah, look at that new brother that just came two months ago. He's already he's preaching. He's preaching. Really? And I've been in this church since the, since the foundation of the church. And he's, how, how, how is that possible? How is that possible? And when people do those kind I'm not saying that's what you do here. I'm just, you know, I like to dramatize a lot, okay? He has not told me anything, so, okay? But when, you know, when people do that, it's because. They, they have a different view of what it means to be a minister. <laughs> Some people these days, they call themselves prophets. If they knew what they did to the prophets in the Old Testament, <laughs> they will call themselves prophets. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So here we have uh, the sons of Zebedee called their mother. Say, okay, you know, James and John said, well, if we ask Christ, he may not give us a good answer. Let us ask Mama. Let's ask Mommy. The mommy to go and you know talk on our behalf. He has been you know, Christ has been talking about kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Oh, I want to be next to him. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> a Jewish brother, okay, God bless you. But Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? There's nothing to boast about in ministry. It's something that, you know, you, there's a weight we carry. If you are called to be a leader or a pastor, it's a weight that we carry. It's with sweat, with blood and tears. Secret travail and prayer unto the Lord. Fighting demons, fighting spirits, fighting people also. Not physically, but you know what I mean, spiritually. And that's what Christ was saying here. He said, you don't know what you're asking about. <laughs> Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They say unto him, Ah, we are able. Okay. And then Christ said, Okay, according to your confession, you shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. Listen to this, verse 24. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. So you can see the kind of setup. Before these disciples eventually got sanctified and purified, you can imagine how things were. So the other ten would have been saying, Can you imagine? They had the audacity hmm, to ask for, and then maybe Peter would have said, And I, I walked on water. Can you imagine? If anybody's supposed to sit next to Christ. Am I not meant to be the person? I walked on water. And then when Christ saw what was going on, did he understand what ministry is about? Christ said in verse 25, But Jesus called them unto him and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your what? Minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So when Christ told Paul, I've appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister, is to serve. 
is to serve. And if you read First Corinthians, where uh, Paul begins to describe, you know, his life and what he went through, I mean, that's his that's his CV, his resume. Shipwreck is on his CV. Stoned is on his CV. Um, beaten, you know, five times times thirty nine stripes. You know, hunger and thirst and fasting, perils of robbers, perils of false brethren. And that was what his CV was. So if he was looking for a job and say, see, this is my CV. That's what ministry you know, entails. And that's why if Christ, number one, doesn't make us ministers, we cannot truly minister. But number two is the fact that to minister, we need to have the mindset that we are serving uh, the people. Back to Acts chapter 9. Acts, sorry, chapter 26, sorry. Pardon me. Acts chapter 26. Verse 16. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things. Listen to this. Which thou hast seen, experience, revelation, and of those things in the which I will appear. So this has nothing to do with, you know, dry word and theological thing. No. Experience. What he had encountered with Christ already. See, see, see it once again. And a witness both of these things which thou hast seen presently and of those things in the which I will appear. Let, let me give an example. Here we have somebody. We have Peter who speaks a little bit about marriage. Okay? But if you want to know more about marriage in the epistles, actually, it's the writing of Paul. Do we know that? He talks about marriage in the book of Corinthians. He talks about marriage in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 7. He talks about marriage. Paul wasn't married. How come he's the one who is talking about marriage? In the book of Ephesians, he talks about marriage. In the book of Colossians, he talks about marriage. How? The Lord appeared. That's what he means there. When Christ said, you're going to be a witness of the things, one, that have already appeared unto you on the way to Damascus, but secondly, the other things I'm going to appear unto you. And that's part of what the Lord was revealing unto Paul. Are we together? So, once again, it's not intellectualism. It means having a relationship with the Lord. That's why the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All these 21st century believers, when I call, are you saved? Yes, I'm saved, but they're still under the bondage and dominion of sin. They don't see anything bad with the worldliness, the carnality, the evil, the same thing they were doing in the world before they were saved. They're doing it again. I say, where's the revelation? Are we together? I've told the church one day where, where, where I minister. I said, I'm looking for one day when I'm going to preach, when the Lord releases me. Sinners converted to sinners. <laughs> because the church, they are not like, when you have an experience of the cross, the power of the cross, Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. That knocks out everything. I was into smoking. I was into drinking. I was into womanizing. I was fornicating. I was stealing. I was lying. I was worldly. I was carnal. I was into the worldly music. I'd met millionaires. I wanted to go into music. And all of a sudden, that's the power of the gospel. Revelation of Jesus Christ. So the Lord said to Paul, I will appear unto thee so that you can minister unto them. Verse 17, delivering thee from the people. And from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. God knows the hazards of ministry. He knows. And already he tells Paul the apostle, I'm going to deliver you. They're going to come against you. The Pharisees, the scribes, the same people, they're going to come against you. The heathens will come against you. The false brethren will come against you. But Christ assured Paul that I will deliver you. So, 
is not a bed of roses ministry. It's not. Even roses has thorns anyway. It's not a bed of roses. But Christ assured Paul, I will deliver thee from the people and from the Gentiles and unto whom now I send thee. There was a time in the church, they, you know, somebody came in, you know, and you have to be very spiritual. By God's because I have spiritual gifts too. So, you have, to, you have to, you know, as a minister, you cannot afford not to have spiritual discernment. You need to. And somebody came to our church and I knew, this is the spirit of Jezebel. How am I going to handle this? And before I knew what was happening, trying to bring in confusion there, confusion there, confusion here, you know, I said, that's the spirit of Jezebel. You remember Elijah? Chapter 18, 1 Kings. What did he do? Fire came down. You think about that. National miracle. Everybody would have known. Number one, there hadn't been rain for three and a half years. And then after the fire, rain came. That nobody, could, nobody could say anything against that miracle. National miracle. And yet, in the very next chapter, he was running away from a woman. He was so confused. That he said, look, my servant, you, you stay back here. I don't know what to do. That's what the spirit of Jezebel does. It brings confusion. So immediately I understood, okay, God, I need to start praying. I began to pray. And, uh, let me just divert a bit. If you're in ministry and you're not prayerful, you don't, yet, you don't know yet what you're into yet. Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Ephesians chapter 2 says, the prince of the power of the air that now worketh in the children of disobedience. You think about this. I know I'm diverting, but it's all has, it all goes into ministry. Christ told his disciples, he said, I give unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions. Was Christ talking about physical serpents? Don't you see spiritual warfare? That's the language of spiritual warfare. Serpents and scorpions. And in ministry from time to time, we need to pray and fast. It's good to have your barbecue. But after your barbecue, <laughs> don't cancel your barbecue. But after the barbecue, have time to pray. Wait upon the Lord. So anyway, this woman came into the church and I knew, I knew what to do. As ministers, what do we do? We have very soft approach physically with the people. But in our crusade, we pray violently against the enemy. Because it's not them, it's the spirit behind them. So he said, Paul, I will deliver thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I send thee. Verse 18, we'll go beyond verse 19. Verse 18, to open their eyes. Now, that is ministry. Bring everybody in, let them know who we are. We need to change the music. I, I, I'm sick and I'm tired of hearing this kind of, you know, what, what are we going to do now? Uh, you know, everybody's leaving the church. The youngsters don't want to go to church. You know, the, the younger generation, what do we need to do now? And if somebody comes with a suggestion, well, actually, you don't have electric guitar. Get, get, you know, okay, look at that drum. We need a bigger drum. Get, you know, get something better. Um, you know, do you know, you know, you get, you get where I'm going to. So we can, you know, we can entice them. And then when they're playing the concerts, you know, the red light and the blue light and the orange light reminds me of disco. And then it's entertainment. Many of the things we call Christian worship is entertainment. It's of the flesh. And even the songs they sing, they take out Jesus, they take out blood, they take out crucifixion, they take out cross. The purpose of ministry is to open their eyes. And the only thing that can open their eyes is the word of God and the spirit of God. And if it means that the people of God have to kneel down and pray and travel and cry and intercede. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 62 
verses uh, 6 and 7, he said, I have set watchmen upon thy walls who will not be tired, who will not give God any rest, who will keep on crying unto God until God will make Jerusalem a praise. That's ministry. To open their eyes. And God has a great sense of humor. You know what God does? He makes Paul's eyes to be blind. That's right. So that he understands what it means to be blind. So when he now begins to minister, he will know the essence of having people's eyes opened. He says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. Listen to this. And from the power of Satan. What is motivational talk, inspirational talk, um, just bringing them into a hall and just giving one or two verses? How is that going to work against the power of Satan? I want to start the church. Okay, what do we do now? Okay, you be this, you be that, you be that, you be this. And then there's no. Do we understand what is at stake? Power of Satan. When you read the John Wesley's, when you read the John Whitfield and the John Knox's, you see why they traveled in prayer. They prayed because they knew what was against them. The power of Satan. And the reason why you have many mega churches is because they are not touching the power of Satan. They're just bringing them in and everybody's just feeling okay. But Christ, who knows what ministry is about, says, listen, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. That's why Paul says at one place, he said, I fought with beasts at Ephesus. Was he talking about physical beasts? No, spiritual church today, they have changed the upper room to supper room. Nobody can tarry, nobody can wait, nobody can pray unto the Lord. I say, God, shake this nation, shake this community. Lord, break forth in our church. Break forth in this place, Lord. And, you know, call ourselves to a, a holy assembly. Let's pray unto the Lord. Let's take one Monday or one Thursday or one, on one Tuesday. Let's do that. Let's begin to pray. And seek the, if you want to know how many you are in this church, Look at how many people come for prayer meeting. Those are, the, those are, those are your members. Uh, some people are not saying amen now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. This is not the church membership. No. Your church membership, if it's only two or three or four or five that come for prayer meeting, those are your members. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to the to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Listen to this. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. The issue is sin. The conflict <clears throat> let me put it this other way around. The genesis of the conflict is the conflict in Genesis. It is sin. And no matter what we do, if sin is not dealt with, the angel told Mary, this is the reason why you're having this child. Matthew one twenty one. He shall save their people from their sin. Sin is the issue. Why was Adam kicked out? Sin. Why was Eve kicked out? Sin. Why do we have death now? Sin. It's sin. Why is it that all through the Old Testament, the people could not enter into the holies of holies, even if, if, if they had desired to do so? Why? Sin. Why was Christ beaten? Beyond measure. And the blood that flowed. And the thorn of a crown on his, uh, on his head. And his side, and his feet, and his hands there. Why? At Golgotha, at Calvary, sin. And then that's the very thing that the present day church doesn't touch. What a tragedy. And we see Christ here defining what ministry is. He said that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified. This is, this, is, this is what Christ is saying when it is about sanctified. That means we have come out of the world. John 17. You are, we're in the world, but not of the world. We are separated unto the Lord. 
You know that song that says, We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We see ourselves as priests, isn't it? New Testament priests. But let's remember, it's a, it's a very high title. Because the priests in the olden days, there are places they couldn't go, there are things they couldn't wear, there are things they couldn't do that they, their fellow Israelites could do, but because they were separated unto the Lord, and that's the same word we see here, sanctified. Her inheritance among those who are sanctified. When I got saved, because I had the revelation of Jesus Christ, all my worldly music, worldly CDs, worldly records, worldly tapes, worldly disco, jazz, what have you, I put them, I burned them all away. I'm a priest, sanctified unto the Lord. Christ said it himself, you can't put new wine into old skin. See, that is what ministry is. An inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith, which is in me. And lastly, verse 19 says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient. Unto the heavenly vision. You know, I've been praying personally for revival now. Personally. In our church now, I've told them, I've stopped. Because we, we know what, the way we structure our services, we, the booklet you see at the, on the table, there's what we use for our Bible study before we go into the messages. And the Lord just told me, stop the Bible study now. We still have our preachings in Sundays, but... The Sunday school, stop it now. Use that time to pray. I know what? We spend about 50 minutes praying. Praying unto God. Asking God to divinely intervene. Asking God to break forth. So that eyes will be opened. And people's lives will be turned from the power of Satan unto God. Paul was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. That's why we can carry a Bible today. He wasn't disobedient. And I pray that we, by the grace of God, as the Lord has called us, we will not be disobedient in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I just give you one more reference before we pray? Colossians chapter 4. Verse 17. Colossians chapter 4. Verse 17. And say unto Archippus. Take heed. Everybody say take heed. Take heed. To the ministry. Which thou has received. In the law. I want to thank every one of you for the good work you're doing with Pastor Tom Chackle. But remember that whatever work you do here, you didn't receive it from Pastor Tom. In the Lord. In the Lord. So whether Pastor Tom is here or not, whether he's here to supervise or not, if we, re- if we see the ministry as in the Lord... That whatever I'm doing is the Lord who actually gave me the ministry to do. Many of us would do ministry in a different way. But sometimes we think, okay, it's the pastor, or maybe it's the other brother, it's the other elder that wants me, or maybe elder Brian. Am I correct? There, okay, you know. No. He said, in the Lord. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. May God give us the grace. In Jesus name. Can we rise to pray? And just let's commit ourselves into the hands of the Lord. Let's ask God to give us the grace. Without him we can do nothing. But thank God with him we can do all things. Let's just pray. You want to rededicate your life to the Lord. You want to reconsecrate your life unto the Lord. You want to say Lord God Almighty I, 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 I know I can do more unto you. Why don't you just take some time to pray personally between you and God alone and just pour out your heart unto the Lord.
whatever the Lord has ministered to you, in whichever way he has, why don't you take it to the Lord in prayer and just speak to him and just tell him. Let's ask the Lord for his grace. Are we doing church or are we doing ministry? That the Lord God Almighty will who allow these words to have an impact upon our lives in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just pray to the Lord that he will give you the grace. The one who calls is the one who keeps us. He's the one who will energize us. He's the one who will empower us. He's the one who will enable us. All the Lord is looking for is for a willing body, a willing tool, a willing son, a willing daughter that will do the work of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.